Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat and he will come and serve them. This is the wrong way around. This is not the way it's supposed to be, is it? The master's not supposed to serve the servants. Otherwise, they're not servants. I mean, this is a story that really would have grabbed people's attention. Should grab our, our attention. Because it's completely the wrong way around. It's the whole way this gospel, the gospel of Luke, this the gospel that we have given to us in the lectionary for this period, uh, for this year, the, 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 in the lectionary three-year cycle. And Luke is all about turning things upside down. In fact, in the second volume of Luke's work, the, gospel, uh, the, the book of Acts, people complain it, towards the end of the, of the book, these people are turning the world upside down. That's the whole point of what Jesus is doing. He's reversing the normal and the proper. Look how Jesus begins the whole project. In Luke chapter 4, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. This is, as you know, part of the mission statement of this congregation. But it's all the wrong way around. There isn't any good news for the poor. Otherwise, they wouldn't be poor. You don't release captives. The whole point of captives is to keep them captive. And the blind don't see. And oppression is just the way the world is. Certainly was for the people of Jesus' time. There was no one left alive who remembered the coming of the Romans and the brutality of their oppression. It was just the way the world was. The world was. Whatever this is, Jesus is on about, it's quite a revolution. The idea of masters serving slaves. Nobody wants to mess the world up like that. But Jesus keeps going on and on in Luke's Gospel about a thing called the Kingdom of God. Now we, you know, we're good Christians and we've been doing this for years, most of us. It's easy for us to sort of see this as a kind of a religious statement. But it's not what Jesus means at all. In fact, he, he uses the word kingdom deliberately because kingdom was the way the world was run. There are still some kingdoms. We're kind of in one as part of the Commonwealth. Um, we don't, it doesn't work the same way as it used to where the, the king was, had the entirety of all power and control. But that's the way the world was. So to talk about the kingdom of God is to basically to talk about the way the world truly is as far as God sees it. It's not a project of personal religious morality. It's a project of complete change of culture, of economics, of politics, of all the way we do things together. It's the way the world truly is. That's what Jesus is constantly on about with this idea about the kingdom. And it's about all of humanity. It's not only about all of humanity, it's about all of creation. This is a huge project. And we only get a glimpse of it in the Gospel of Luke. What we see is Jesus living as if it were actually true. He works out of that premise, out of that whole idea that that's the way the world really is. And that's why he says, do not be afraid, little flock. For it is the Father's 
good pleasure to give you the kingdom, to give you the world. How do we get that? Well, it's a gift. It's just a gift. The kingdom of God, the world of God, the world as God sees it to be and is bringing it to be, is not least to us. We don't pay rent on it. Hopefully that we can keep our rent up because if we don't, we'll be tossed out. There's no rent to be paid. It's not a bequest that you will receive it when you die and go to some glorious place. You might, we don't know. But that's not what it's about. The kingdom is just a gift. And why is it a gift? Because God wants it to be. Just seemed like a really, really good idea to God that the world ought to be a place where the oppressed go free and the prisoners are released. It's God's pleasure. That's why God bangs on in the first chapter of Genesis over and over again, making things and saying, not it's okay, or it's, well, it works mostly. No, it's good. Everything is good. That's how it begins. It's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. When do we get it? Well, Jesus says in Luke a little later on, now. The kingdom is among you, and it can also be translated as within you. It's already present. It's everywhere, all around us and within us. Most of you are looking at me like, oh, so what? Well, I don't know what you're doing because half your faces are covered. It's impossible to know, isn't it, what we're each thinking. But can it be just that simple, that glorious? It's a gift given before we were even in existence. Why? Because God wants it to be. It's as simple as that. And it's underlined by this extraordinary little story. Now, taking some of these ideas from Kenneth Bailey, who's a a New Testament scholar who's spent many years um, working and living in Jerusalem and um, uh, spent a lot of time working on first century culture. He says, when the master comes from the wedding banquet in Greek, and we won't go into all the Greek because it's a bit boring, but um, the point of the story is that he comes and what he's likely doing, because the the Greek is a bit difficult to to understand apparently, and he's recognising this as as telling a quite detailed story that we might miss. That what the master's doing, he's coming from, he's living in a huge compound as the rich always do, and he's in one part of the compound where the wedding is going on. And he leaves that part of the compound to go to another part of the house. And he he comes from the public to the private. And the higher slaves that are are master, the, the most efficient and the best cared for slaves, they're serving at the banquet. The slaves that he goes to see are in the private part of the house. They're just the kind of the lowest of the low. And I don't know how low you have to be to be lower than other slaves in a community of slavery, but that's what's going on. He leaves the party that's going on and he knocks on the door. And Bailey says, why does he knock on the door? Well, probably because his arms are full of food. He's taken food from the wealthy, beautiful wedding banquet and he's taking it to a bunch of lowest of the low slaves arms full of food food that was designed 
for the proper guests, he takes out of that and into the lowest of the low. Taken from those with the influence and the power and the prestige, and he gives it to a bunch of lowly slaves. The master takes the party to the poor, to those who've been left out. That's what Jesus means by kingdom, by the world of God. It's a revolutionary story, a frightening story, if you happen to be one of the well-dressed wedding guests. But what an amazing story if you happen to be the lowest of the low. All the ones that have been left out. All the ones of us who leave ourselves out. Because we know. I mean, you know, I put on a good jacket today because I didn't want you to think I was a total idiot. And I'm okay at sort of being normal. You don't know what it's like to be me inside, how much I tell myself all the horrible things I say to myself about who I am and what I'm doing and what I'm not doing and what I, what I should have done. And We all do it. The ones who have been left out, the ones who leave themselves out, people who are the wrong age, in the wrong income bracket, the wrong sexuality, the wrong skin colour. We all know what it's like. Well, apparently, the whole idea that Jesus is on about is going to everyone. And it says then, blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Well, maybe this is the bit where we get to do something. Because up until now, all we get is a gift. We don't have to, it's got nothing to do with who we are, how good we are, where we fit in, how brilliant we've been, how pious we've been, how much we pray got nothing to do with that. Well, maybe here's the bit. Because we're blessed if we're the, the ones who the master finds alert when he comes. But I think even here, we're required to do something. We're required to be moral or upright or pious. Because alert, in the way that Jesus talks about it, is simply being aware of what's going on. Aware that today, at this moment, maybe for a little bit longer, the sun is shining. You've been blessed with the sun. What did you do to get that? Well, you opened your eyes so you could see it. And it's, you know, it's hardly worth writing home about, is it? You didn't do anything. You just turned up. That's the way the world is. Blessed are those slaves. What's a blessing? What's well, just being alive to the moment? It's just realising that you are already always, always blessed. What is the slave's job to do when the master comes with a pile of food? What's their responsibility? What's, their, what's required of them? Have a good feed. Eat. That's all they've got to do is just eat. And who doesn't want to eat? Who doesn't get hungry? Who doesn't want the best food that you could possibly imagine that the master has put on for, this, for the wedding guests? Who doesn't want to eat that? Everybody wants that. How hard is it to do? Well... You've got to open your mouth and you've got to put some in and then you've got to chew and maybe smile and enjoy it and appreciate it. That's all our job is, is to enjoy it, to eat it, to love it, to be a part of it. Do not be afraid, little flock. Everything is a gift. Your life has been given to you as a gift. 
Sell your possessions and give alms. Ah, well, here's something we should be able to do and we can make ourselves feel guilty because I'm not going to sell my possessions. I'm taking me a while to get some of them and I need them. But I think what's being said here is not sell everything that you have, although for some of us that might be a brilliant thing to do and many people in, in, in the history of faith have done that. But I think the word possessions is speaking to the things that that somehow are important to us in themselves. Because we know there's a difference between the home that you make in order to have safety and security and comfort and the house that you build in order to be bigger and better than anything on grand designs or bigger and just to demonstrate the kind of person I am. That's why I have all this art on the wall and have all this stuff. There's a big, we know the difference. There's a difference between the car that you drive in, that is safe and reliable and the expensive car that you buy to demonstrate, I don't know actually what it demonstrates, a fancy car, uh, part of the fact that you've just got lots of money and no imagination. But we know the difference, don't we, between the things that we need in order to live and function well and be decent community-minded people with each other and the stuff that becomes possessions that end up possessing us. It's not the stuff we need, but the stuff that we think, by getting it, will somehow help make us whole. Because that's what we long to be, is whole, full, alive human beings. And we know it doesn't work. We know it doesn't work. Maybe they're the things that we should get rid of them. And, oh yeah, by the way, give it to somebody else. Because we are already whole. We are already who we need to be. We are already who we are called to be. When we see and truly hear, as Jesus bangs on about in Luke's Gospel all the time, the people who have ears but who need to really hear, the people who have eyes but need to really see, when we do that, our lives begin to open up. It's as if we're, we're walking around with little cups of sort of lukewarm water and we're thirsty all the time. And we know that there's not much in there, so we have to sip it. And we have to be careful not to drink too much of it because we know we'll run out. It's as if we're people who are worried that somebody else will steal it from us. So we have to carry it around cupped in our hands. Or that if we're not correct in the way we live, we might stumble and fall and it'll all be gone. Meanwhile, it's raining everywhere. The rain falls on the just and the unjust, the Hebrew scriptures tell us. It's raining everywhere. It's already present with us. That's the story. Jesus said in John, I've come to give you life in all its fullness, in all its abundance. It's already present with us. That's what I think that little story wants us to know. And look, I'm, I'm saying this. I wrote this stuff down and I can hardly believe what I'm telling you. I don't live like this. I don't live as if it were true that I am already whole, that I am already filled with the meaning and the power of the universe coursing through me from the moment of the Big Bang right to this moment. I could and I want to, but I'm going to need you to help me do that. That's why I turn up at church. I mean, I turn up because I get paid. 
But I mostly turn up because otherwise I'll be by myself and I won't be able to manage the, the glory and the wonder of all of this. So I need you to help me do that. And you need me and each other to help you do it because it's almost too good to be true. Turns out there is such thing as a free lunch. And in a little while we're going we're gonna to have it. All right, that'll have to do.